Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Be Israel's faith is starting to decrease where they're not able to drive the people out like God told them to do. And so what did they do? They compromised. Well, we can't drive them out, so let's do this instead. Compromise is not good when it comes to the rest of the world. It says, when Israel was strong, they put the Canaanites under tribute. That means they made them do work for them. God did not tell them to make workers out of them. He never told them to make compromises either. What did he say? He said, destroy them. Tear their altars down. Get them out of here. He didn't say use them. What's eventually going to happen is that after enough time, the Canaanites are going to get stronger, and they're going to turn around, they're going to put the Israelites in slavery. That's what's going to become of this. Compromise always backfires on you. And the world is always telling you to compromise, compromise. It's a new word now. It's called tolerance. Tolerance, tolerance, tolerance. What they're trying to do is get you to compromise your faith. They're going to say your faith is wrong for thinking this way. So you need to compromise and have a little more tolerance or you're uh, a whatever. They call you all these names and you cave into that pressure. You compromise. They're getting stronger. They're going to put you in slavery. And it's not going to feel good for you. There's the, I, the whole nation's going on like this. They're backing off the word of God. Well, let's don't preach that verse. Let's don't go here. Let's don't say that because that'll offend this group. This will offend that group. So stay away from that. Compromise, compromise, compromise. Now we've got a bunch of defeated people walking around. Just, uh, what do we do? Well, well, let's just give up. Might as well, can't beat them, join them. That's kind of the impression here that Israel's doing. They're compromising. And this is why God told them up front, destroy them. Because if they didn't, they'd be the ones in slavery all over again. You know, God didn't deliver Israel out of Egypt, taking them out of slavery to let them go and worship false gods and become slaves again. He delivered them out of Egypt so that they would worship him freely. And you know, likewise, God didn't save you and draw you out of sin and save you out of sin so that you could turn right back around and go be slave to the world again. That's not what he wants us to do. We're to walk in freedom and serve him and worship him. Israel compromised and they're going to pay for it. This is a good lesson for us. Judges 1 and 29. Nor did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites who dwelt in Gezer, so the Canaanites dwelt in Gezer among them. So, okay, we got to recall again. Uh, what Joshua warned him about. Here we got this pattern going on. What Joshua warned him about in Joshua 23 and 6. Therefore, be very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, lest you turn aside it to the right hand or to the left, and lest you go among these nations, these who remain among you. He said, if you're not, if you're not on target, 
You're going to go in with these guys. You're going to go in among them. And what did the tribe of Ephraim do? It says they dwelt among them. They're all living in the same towns together. They went in among them. That's exactly what he told them. If you go to the left or right, if you stray off the narrow way, you're going to go in with them. And look at what they're doing. They're dwelling together. They're doing exactly that. Joshua told them, don't do that. (laughs) He says, don't do that. Living with them means that you have turned aside from the law. And you remember how the last chapter of Joshua, how Joshua went round and round with the people to try to get them to commit to doing things God's way. And they kept saying, yes, we'll do it. Yes, we'll serve the Lord. Oh, yes, we're witnesses. We're going to do it God's way. You remember that? And Joshua wasn't really buying it. And he even went so far as to set up a, a, a witness memorial stone with the law inscribed on it, everything he could think of to do. Something that would stand there and last to remind them, don't do this. And they're like, yes, we'll do it. And here they are doing it. I don't know how many years later this was, late, uh, months or what, I don't know, but they're already doing it. Oh, man. The tribes are compromising. They're going in among the, Israel, the Canaanites that God said to destroy. Guys, you know what I see going on? What I see going on is I see man getting himself into trouble like he always does. <laughs> and what happens when man gets himself into a, in a snag? He needs a savior. He needs a savior. Okay, there's a theme formulating here. Joshua 1 and 30. Nor did Zebulun drive out the inhabitants of Kitron or the inhabitants of Nahalal. So the Canaanites dwelt among them and were put under tribute. There's compromise. Let's use them again, right? Verse 31. Nor did Asher drive out the inhabitants of Akko or the inhabitants of Sidon or of Alab, Akseb, Hilba, Afik, Rehob. All, look at all these places, guys. Look at all these, these, these towns. So the Asherites dwelt among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land, for they did not drive them out. Nor did Naphtali drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh or the inhabitants of Beth Anath, but they dwell among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land. Nevertheless, the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh and Beth Anath were put under tribute, under, uh, under tribute to them. Compromise after compromise. Disobedience after disobedience. Guys, do y'all realize there's no compromise in God's word? You realize there's zero compromise? Jesus says, I am the only way to the Father, and that's it. There's no compromise. There's not, well, there's got to be a few other ways. No, there's not. There's just one way. No compromise. And we have to represent that. And we have to teach that. And we got to tell people that in a world that says, tolerance, tolerance, you have to compromise to me. Don't compromise from that. Well, if you don't compromise, that means you hate me. No, because I love you, I can't compromise. I have to tell you the truth. I'm not going to lie to somebody. People lie to people they hate probably. I've got to tell the truth. This is no compromise in this. They're not, the Israelites are not doing what God told them to do. Basically, they're not doing it. Now, I want you to notice something here. The tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali put the Canaanites to work just like Manasseh did. But look what it says about the tribe of Asher. They didn't even put them to work. They just went in and lived with them. And I'm thinking, goodness, you just go live with them? I mean, at least put them to work. (laughs) They didn't even do that. Didn't even do that much. All these tribes are compromising, putting the Canaanites to work, but Asher didn't even do that. 
it's getting worse, guys. This story is getting worse by the minute. More compromise, more damage. But watch what happens next. Judges 1, 34. And the Amorites forced the children of Dan. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop. Wait a minute. This is backwards. This ain't the way it's supposed to go. The Amorites forced the children of Dan into the mountains, for they would not allow them. What? (laughs) The Amorites aren't allowing Israel to come in? Isn't this supposed to be a conquest here? For they would not allow them to come down to the valley. And the Amorites were determined to dwell in Mount Herez, in Ajalon, and in Shalbim. Yet when the strength of the house of Joseph became greater, they were put under tribute. Now the boundary of the Amorites was from the ascent of Akrabim, from Selah, and upward. Gosh, the, the Israelite tribe of Dan didn't go live among the Amorites. They didn't even put them under tribute either. Either They weren't even allowed to come in at all. This is getting bad. This isn't good. <laughs> Not only is the conquest momentum slowing down, but here it stopped. It's done. Not only did it stop, but now they're getting pushed back the other way. And I, to my friends out there, my, my Christian friends, you compromise and, and you start getting into a pattern and the world teaches us this pattern. Compromise, compromise, compromise. Now it's so disobedience. Now you're not conquering. Now not only are you not conquering, you're not doing what God told you to do. And now not only are you not doing what God told you to do, but now the world is putting the screws to you. Now you're under the world's thumb. And now you're walking around going, oh gosh, why is my life like this? Turn it around. Start doing what God told you. Stop listening to what the world says. Oh, you can't talk like that. You can't. I have, you know, I, when I was at work, when I used the place I used to work at, I was literally told, this is a place of business. You keep the word of God outside the door. You don't come in here with it. They told me you leave your Bible outside of this place of business. I was literally told that. What did I do? I kept bringing my Bible in. I'm not trying to start a fight. I need my word of God. When I have my break time or my lunch, I want to read it. The tribe of Dan was supposed to dominate the Amorites. It wasn't supposed to go the other way around. Friends, in Jesus, we're supposed to be conquerors. That's what we're charged to be, conquerors. That doesn't mean grab your Bible, go smack people over the head with it, knock them down. But it does mean that you don't let the enemy tell you what you can and can't do when God gives you orders. When God gives you a command, go do that. I'm going to tell you a personal testimony real quick. I had a lot of people tell me, you cannot do ministry. I had people tell me, you're not. I had a pastor tell me, I'm not called. You can't do it. I was looking on YouTube the other day. I learned that when I post YouTube stuff of the church, block comments. <laughs> disable the comments. There was a, a YouTube video. I think it was a, the video of me baptizing uh, Jamie. And somebody put a comment on there, just tore me to shreds. You are not called of God. You are an evil person. You twist the scripture, blah, 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 blah. You don't have to listen to that. They're not going to push me. Here, the Amorites pushed Dan. They weren't allowed to come in at all. Nothing. Dan was supposed to dominate the Amorites, not the other way around. So we got these tribes coming in to clean out the rest of the Canaanites still hanging around, but a pattern has started in Israel. 
And when the pattern starts, what does leaven do? It leavens the whole lump. It gets into everybody. Their faith is starting to get weak, not just individually, but their faith has gotten weak on a national level. Those of you that remember the United States of America more than 40 years ago, it wasn't like this. There's a national problem. And so as faith goes down, it's like a seesaw. When faith goes down, compromise goes up. A little less compromise, you're going to get a little more faithful. Now, no compromise doesn't mean you have to be a hard-headed son of a gun. It means I stick to this word of God. That's how I live my life. And so it's gotten so bad that the Amorites have confined the tribe of Dan to the mountain country while they continued to occupy the territory that God told them to run them out of. Now, you think somebody's about to be called into the principal's office over this. (laughs) Somebody's about to get in trouble. And it actually happens. That's why I want to go into Judges 2 real quick before we finish up. Judges 2 and 1. Then the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochim and said, I led you up from Egypt and brought you to the land of which I swore to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall tear down their altars. But you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Now, let me explain, let me explain something to you here. This angel here, this angel of the Lord. It's very mysterious and very intriguing to me about this angel. Notice that the word angel is capitalized in the Bible. When it's capitalized, that indicates deity. That means it's God. Any name or pronoun such as he, him, in the Bible that's capitalized means that it is referring to the Lord himself. And so this is not just an angelic being. This is the Lord himself. The Old Testament often refers to the Lord as, quote, the angel of the Lord. Capital A. That's God. And the reason he may be called the angel of the Lord here, possibly because his appearance looks angelic. Maybe he had an angelic appearance to him here. Just to back this up real quick, just I'm trying to show you how much trouble Israel's in and how God's doing something about this himself. Let me prove this angelic thing. God says in Genesis 33 and 20, he says, no one can see me and live. We, we know that. Nobody can see God and live. This is because God is so powerful. Uh, he, he's so powerful that if we were to set our flesh eyes on him, our flesh simply could not withstand the mere sight of him, and it would kill us. That's, it's just, he's that powerful. This body can't take it. And so this angel of the Lord here, is, it, it's, it's a mysterious way that God could appear to men and communicate with them. And I've got proof of this in the Moses story in Exodus 3 and 2. It says, and the, here he is again, the angel of the Lord, capital A. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in the midst of a bush. And then in verse 6, the angel tells Moses who he is. Exodus 3 and 6. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father. This is God. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, And the God of Jacob and Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. And so the best I can explain this angel of the Lord is that it's a mysterious way in which God would appear before men. 
And if you really like mysterious intrigue, and th- th- this kind of stuff really gets me, I love it. Um, if you really like that kind of mysterious intrigue, remember that God also appeared before men, not as an angelic looking being, but in human flesh in a body, and that was Jesus Christ, the God-man. God has various ways of appearing before men and communicating with them. We had flesh, Jesus Christ, but this one is an angelic kind of revealing of himself called the angel of the Lord. So it's kind of fascinating that God would care to talk to us, right? (laughs) That he would care to appear before us. I mean, Lord, who are we that you will be mindful of us? This is God coming to speak to man. And so let's go back to Judges again. Israel has been disobeying so badly that now it's time for the Lord himself to make a a very special appearance because of what's going on. Notice how God reminded them, the angel of the Lord, he said, I led you up from Egypt. Angels didn't do that. Angels didn't lead them out of Egypt. The Lord God did that. He may have employed some angels to do some work, but God himself led Israel out. Also, he says, I brought you to the land that I promised you. The angel of the Lord is saying this. This is God. I promised you this and said, I'll never break my covenant with you. Angels don't make covenants. God makes covenants. And so this is the Lord himself speaking here. He told them, don't make any deals with the inhabitants. Israel was supposed to destroy them. But yet here you are. Look at you. Look at you. You're doing exactly what I told you not to do. Ooh, somebody's in trouble. You have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Why have you done this? You think God knows why they did it? Of course he knows. So why did he ask the question? He asked the question, why did you do this? To get them to think about what they've done. To stir up their conscience. Why have you done this? He was trying to get them to consider this sin that they have all collectively jumped into. You ever tell your kids to clean up their room? And they say, yeah, I'll do it. And you say, you sure you're going to do it? Yeah, I'll do it. This is kind of how it went down between Joshua and Israel. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll serve God. Yeah, we, we got this. We'll do it. Don't worry. We'll get it done. But you come back a little bit later and find out they're doing exactly the opposite of what you told them to do. You go back and look at the room and it's actually worse than what it was. So now you're going to say, why have you done this? <laughs> That'll stir them up. Aren't you glad you're not in this story? Because <laughs> somebody's in trouble. But guys, we are in this story. We are in here. Romans 12 and 2. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Friends, don't conform. Don't conform to the world. And it is a slow process of conformity. And eventually over a gradual amount of time, all of a sudden you wake up one day and you go, I'm exactly where I'm not supposed to be. This is exactly what God is calling Israel out on. I told you not to do this and here you are. Why'd you do this? Don't compromise. Don't mix in. God is saying, be like me. Don't be like them. God says, I'm holy. Be holy for I'm holy. Parents, I want to give you a scenario to think about. I don't know if you've ever had this happen. I hope you don't. I've never had it happen to me, but I've heard it happening before. I've heard it happen where a parent's child comes up and says, I don't ever want to be like you. How heartbreaking. If you were to hear a child tell you that, I never want to be like you. Wouldn't that hurt? You think God is pleased that when his own chosen people that he freed from bondage isn't provoked into a bad way that his people would rather have everybody else but him? 
that his people would rather conform to the whole world and say, we want to be like them and I don't want to be like you. Imagine how that feels. That's got to hurt. And God sees them doing this. We'd rather be like everybody else. And God goes, "Uh uh-uh, you're mine. He shows up, angel of the Lord. Why are you doing this? God is overseeing the matter personally. Guys, do you realize that God oversaw our salvation personally? He did it himself. He didn't contract it out to somebody else. Hey, you're a good guy. Why don't you go die on that cross? It wouldn't have worked. He oversaw your salvation personally, and I'm thankful. But his people that he freed from bondage are in a bad way, and they'd rather be like everybody else. We don't want to be like you right now. So I got to ask you a question. What about you? What does your life demonstrate? Are you more interested in being like the world that you're setting God aside? Do you know how hurtful that is to do that to the one Savior who has given you a way out of your slavery of sin to just turn away and go try to be everybody else and tell God, that's telling God, I don't want to be like you. This is why we're commanded, do not conform to the world. Now, there's a lot out there, and we're done now, but there's a lot out there to distract, and it's slowly turning our nation the people who call themselves Christians are slowly turning them into the world. And I'm very fearful for Matthew 7. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, here we are. And Jesus is going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. It's people that think they're saved and they're not. And they're just not. And that's going to be the shock of their existence to hear Jesus say, I never knew you. You've got to go. And they're going to swear they were saved, but they're too much like the world. I think this is part of my message that got people to come forward the other, time, the other day. They realized that sin is a problem. It's a big problem. So I want to ask you to consider, review your life, look at where you are, consider the things you're doing, some of the things you're into that you know do not please God. And once the Lord shows you those things, get out as quick as you can. Get out of it. Whatever's in your life that's making you like the world, that's teaching you to think like them, you need to get away from it. Well, I don't know what it is. Well, let me ask you, what is your, what is your prayer time like? I heard it said by David Davis in Israel, take your prayer time and double it right now. Whatever you spend on prayer, double that time. Whatever your Bible study time is, double that. And next week, double it again. You got to have more Bible and less world. Don't let the world have an influence on you like that. You might have to stop watching some movies. You might have to stop watching some of your favorite TV shows if it's got content that the Lord's not happy with. I'm sorry, guys, but the blessing on God's end is a whole lot better than what you're getting out of the world right now. I guarantee you. Do not compromise. Stick close to the Word of God, and you will have victory in your life. We are supposed to be conquerors. That's what Jesus died for, that we're victorious in him. Father, we thank you for this word today. Lord God, I thank you for uh, the, the picture. Lord, bless your people, Israel. They have gone through so much to teach us so that we can see through them some good learning application. Lord God, bless your people, Israel. Father, thank you for having patience with us, for we drift to the left and to the right. And when we do that, we go into disobedience. Forgive us, Lord God. Lord God, I ask you to deal with each person here and show them where direct mid-center is again, to get back on that line and stay on it, to come back in and stay there so they can have victory, not defeat. Lord, turn our defeats into victory, but we understand, Lord God, that there's a requirement that comes from us in this, that we have to get our focal points back onto you. We have to obey. Thank you, Lord God, for showing us how to do this. I ask it. 
in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.